the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hi, I'm Dana Torts, and welcome to another episode of the Truth in My Days radio program. Today, I'm here with John Torts and Jason Chan as they discuss the important topic of creation and evolution. We are continuing from the previous episode. We hope you enjoy. So we're looking at fossils and whether these can prove evolution, whether whether they offer the sort of evidence we're told that they do. And we have been looking specifically now at the fossils that we're told are of hominids, of ancestors of man that started with ape-like creatures and eventually evolved into man. And we've looked at how We can claim that a particular fossil is of one of these hominids. And we're looking specifically at cranial capacity, where scientists will find an ancient skull cap or piece of a skull, calculate or estimate the size of the the cranial capacity. In other words, how much uh, volume the skull can hold, which will limit the size of the brain. And we showed that you look at chimpanzees and gorillas, they're relatively small, 400, 500 cubic centimeters as you move up. Modern man, we're told, is somewhere around 1,450. And supposedly these ancestors of man are in between. One of those is Homo erectus, which is listed at 935. But we showed last time that, in fact, Uh, They come in many, many different sizes. There's one from Hungary, an old fossil of a Homo erectus skull called the Vertasölscha man, and his cranial capacity was 1,400, right in the range for modern man. And then we showed that Neanderthal man, which is supposedly an earlier uh, form of man, a different uh, subspecies, actually had a bigger cranial capacity than modern man. So when you begin to look carefully at these, the claim that these, uh, the size of the skull will tell you whether this is a man or an ancestor, simply not true. Furthermore, another problem is for evolution to be true, these different forms of hominids had to have lived at different times. The more ancient ancestors should have lived much longer ago and then the more recent and so on. But in point of fact, when we look into the fossil record, what we find is a lot of these are actually living together. For example, in South Africa, uh, Homo erectus, supposedly much more recent, lived contemporaneously with Australopithecus, a supposedly very, very distant ancestor. In this case, in one digging site, they found a Homo erectus mandible in the same site as Australopithecus bones. And that can't really be the case if they were separated by hundreds of thousands or millions millions of years of evolution. Uh, we've also found in Australia some very interesting finds. One Homo erectus skull is called the Cossack skull that's dated even by evolutionists to being only in the order of thousands of years old, well within the range of modern people. And so these don't actually prove that that we have ape men as our ancestors. The evolutionists get increasingly desperate. They try to point out at eye ridges, brow ridges in the skull, that is the, the little curve in the bone just above the eye socket. And they will tell you that uh, the very ancient hominids had huge 
big, thick eye ridges, unlike modern man, who has very little in the way of eye ridges. But in fact, this is not true. As Clark and Willermet point out in their book, Conceptual Issues in Modern Human Origins Research, they point out that modern human populations range from including people with large brow ridges to including people with none at all. In fact, they write, we believe it is probably impossible to arrive at a definition that simultaneously includes the variation of all living people and then excludes all members of archaic groups. And the reason for that is some people today have essentially no eyebrow ridge. Some people have huge, huge ones. And yet we're all modern humans living together. So we cannot claim that the, the eyebrow ridge gradually got smaller through evolution. So there you go. Any comments on this to this point? Yeah. And earlier we mentioned that, you know, there were only very few samples for each of these skulls, right? Yes. So even just to draw these desperate conclusions from them is kind of stretch what they have. Yeah. Just stretching it beyond any reasonable limit. It's not science. It's not proper science. And there's more. If you look at this list of putative human ancestors... Really, the Neanderthal man and the Homo erectus are, in fact, modern humans. There's no reason to put them into any kind of different species or genus levels. Uh, a lot of these are simply ape. Australopithecus is simply an ape. Some of these have disappeared. There was something called the Peking man, so-called because it was discovered in Peking in China before World War II. But the bones were lost during the war, so we don't have access to them. But among these were also outright frauds, outright dishonest frauds. And we're speaking here first and foremost about the Piltdown Man. Have you heard of the Piltdown Man? I have not. Piltdown Man was discovered in 1912, the fossils of the Piltdown Man. Now, to paint a bit of a... Uh, background to this, you might recall we mentioned that when Darwin published his book in 1859, he wrote in the book that uh, one of the greatest, uh, perhaps the greatest objection to his theory is the fact that we don't find these transitional forms in the fossil record, going from, from earlier forms of life to later forms of life. And he said that, well, I think it's because we haven't found so many fossils yet. We will find more, and that will prove my theory. Well, by 1912, 53 years, more than half a century had gone by, and a lot of people don't know this, but Darwin's theory was hanging by a gossamer thread at this point. Scientists were ready to reject it for two reasons. One, they had no viable mechanism yet for where the variations came from, from one generation to another. Uh, and the other was they had not found this fossil evidence that Darwin had promised we would find. So just in time to save the theory, in 1912, these amazing fossils were found in a, in a gravel pit, in a quarry in uh, Sussex in England, a place called Piltdown, hence he was called Piltdown Man, it was announced to the world by uh, the fellow who dug it up, a fellow called Dawson, Charles Dawson. 
and he had consulted a fellow called Smith Woodward, who was the keeper of geology at the British Museum. What these fossils consisted of was a jawbone. It was a thick, ape-like jawbone, except that the teeth were flat. They didn't have pointy canines like apes do. And as well, there was a skull cap, and the skull cap was clearly a skull that looked like a modern human. So this fossil had these, these uh, very clear, both ape-like and man-like characteristics. Well, this was given to the world, and all opposition, almost all opposition, to the theory of evolution just ended, because the Piltdown Man was exactly the sort of proof that was needed. And uh, through the years, three generations or more of people came to accept the theory of evolution with no question because of the Piltdown Man. It was unquestionable evidence. Guess how many PhD dissertations were written on the Piltdown Man? Oh man, for just this single, single fossil? My guess is in the hundreds. In the hundreds, yeah, indeed. More than 500. More than 500 dissertations on the Piltdown Man, not one of which was retracted after the world found out that the Piltdown Man had been a hoax all along. This was not announced until 1953. But in 1953, it was exposed as a hoax. And as I say, none, none of the dissertations were withdrawn. But here's the rum thing. Here's the thing to notice. It wasn't even a good hoax. It was a very clumsy hoax. Tell me two things you notice about this jawbone here. It's only part of the jawbone. It shows two teeth. Anything interesting about the teeth? It's They're kind of flat. They you know, kind of looked, look filed down, actually. Yeah, indeed. This is the first and most interesting thing about the fossil. Is if you look at the teeth, indeed, there are no pointy canines. The teeth are flat, but they're unnaturally flat. They're not flat like real teeth. <laughs> Check your own teeth. You're going to find the top layer is a bit rough. It's got little points here and there uh, to help ridges, yeah. Yeah, to, to grind the food. But these things are completely flat. How did they get that way? What, what would you think? File. <laughs> With a file. When you look at the picture from the top, what you see, you actually see... The little pulp cavities and so on. you see the internal structure of the tooth that you don't see when you look at the top of an intact tooth. They're worn away, but completely flat. And if you look carefully, you can actually see the file marks on the teeth. Now, so I don't see how any honest scientist could have looked at these and not immediately concluded that it was a, fa it was a hoax. Uh, the second thing, what do you notice about the color? Uh, so looking at the picture, it's very brown. It's brown, and that's not a normal coloration. If you go to a museum, you see bones, they're, they're brown, like that. Why are they brown? Because they're coated with a chemical that's meant to preserve them. It's called potassium dichromate. So this jawbone, if it was pulled out of the ground with that dark color, must have been... Uh, coated with potassium dichromate. Is that possible that could come out of the ground like that? Yeah, I don't think so. No, because potassium dichromate doesn't exist in nature. It's a man-made, it's an artificial chemical. So clearly what must have happened here, somebody took a jawbone, and it turned out it was indeed the jawbone of an orangutan, took the jawbone, 
probably out of a collection where it's already covered in potassium dichromate, filed down the teeth, took the skull cap of a human, buried them together, and then dug them up. So this is the thing. It was an obvious fraud. And it was not just a fraud, but an obvious one. No honest scientist who looked at these could have been fooled. And yet, nobody took down Piltdown. And there are a few scientists, certainly, who challenged at the beginning. But the consensus across the board, the science was that, yes, this is our human ancestor. Why do you think that is? Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. But please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. <laughs>